because you know Memorial Day is really it's just a time for um, uh, it, it's it's valuable for us to remember those that have given a great uh, a, a great cost uh, for our benefit. Amen. So everyone that has gone into the military and died in the service of the military has really done that for my benefit, for your benefit. Amen. And same thing with those that have served in the military as well. Um, but uh, one of the things that the Lord Jesus uh, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, in those two chapters, he talks to seven different churches. And um, uh, one of the churches that he talks to is the church at Ephesus. It's the first church that he talks to. And he says uh, here in verse 5, uh, Revelation 2, 5, it says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Uh, and so uh, he, he told uh, the church at Ephesus, and he told the church at uh, um, uh, Sardis uh, to remember. And, uh, you know, of course, in that case, he said, remember where you've come from. And uh, in Revelation 3, 3, he said, remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. Uh, and so, you know, I was just thinking about that, that uh, it's valuable for us to remember. Amen. And I know in the, in the, uh, in the society that we live in, there's a lot of crazy things going on. Um, but it's good to remember uh, those that have gone into the military and, um, uh, and given up the given the greatest um, cost for my for my blessings, and he told two different churches to remember these things. Remember where you've come from, and um, you know it, it's. Uh, I know every generation thinks that the current generation is dumb and they don't they don't know anything, but it's always been that way, right? Because you don't really know anything when you're 15. You think you know everything, but um, uh, it. Uh, but if if we as a church would remember from where we came from. Uh, and how we got here, it's to our advantage, amen? It's to our advantage to know a little bit about history, uh, both naturally and spiritually, right? Where did you come from spiritually? Where did you come from naturally? Uh, how did we get here as a country? You know, uh, the United States is still, uh, in my opinion, the greatest country on the earth because of the things it can do. And, um, uh, you know, it's, right now it's, it's, uh, it's struggling in some crazy thoughts, but it'll, uh, if the church will continue to do its job to pray, it'll, it'll, swing back in the other direction and become a lot more um, stable. But um, uh, and, and part of the problem is all these crazy people that are doing things in America, uh, they just don't, they don't want to remember where they came from, right? They just think it all happened. And, and so, um, so it's just, it's good to remember, amen? It's good to remember all of the people that have done these things for us. And so, and of course, all of our uh, military veterans here today, we want to thank you for your service, of course. And, um, we appreciate that uh, all the work that you've done in keeping us free and safe, and um, it's a great honor even to know veterans, in my opinion, right? Because uh, um, that's a, a great service. Amen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is a big knife, yeah. Well, you know, you don't think about uh, the cavalry uh, being in, even in the, in the war, right? You think of the, I always think cavalry, you know, is is fighting Indians in in America somewhere. But um, uh, there's a lot of stuff like that, a lot of things we didn't know that we had to learn when we went over there, right? Uh, and so, um, but uh, it, uh, but it, it's good to remember, amen. And I would encourage all of you to remember uh, where you've come from as a Christian. Um, you know, for me, I know. Um, We've talked a lot about uh, what's, what's our spiritual legacy, and I talk a lot about other uh, ministers that have gone before us, and I do that part of the reason because I, I want to remember that, you know, I didn't arrive at what I know because I'm such an, uh, such an amazing person. Uh, the things I know, uh, a lot of the things that I know took ministers dozens of years uh, of their life uh, in dedication to the Lord to find out, to research, to pray, to discover these things from the Word of God. 
And we can read a, just a little tiny book and learn everything that it took them 30 years to learn. And so, you know, I remember that. I remember that they'd done those things for me. And for me to think that, you know, I've arrived to where I am because I've learned all this on my own is really just uh, you're failing in what the Lord told uh, the churches in the book of Revelation to remember. Uh, remember these things. Amen. So uh, anybody who thinks they're self-made, uh, you know, uh, is not a very intelligent person. Amen. Nobody is self-made. We've all come from somewhere and, and people have added into our lives and, uh, and um, both in the natural and, and spiritual. Amen. And so from the natural standpoint, we thank, we're thankful and remember uh, those that have given their life and service to, uh, you know, the Lord calls even natural uh, people that are in service uh, to protect us as ministers of the gospel. Uh, and so, you know, in one sense, all the people in the military are ministers of the gospel because their uh, fighting for our freedom allows us to continue and advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so, in one sense, you know, I, the Lord said it himself, he considers them ministers. So he's, he sees it as a valuable thing. Amen. Uh, and so thank everybody for that. And I uh, appreciate your, uh, those that are here that have been in service uh, to, uh, to the military and to, and to remember those that have fallen. Uh, and I'm sure we all know uh, people that have been in uh, the military that have died in service to our country. Uh, and we appreciate that. And we, we will remember that. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute and we'll get into praise and worship. <coughs> We appreciate all the goodness and kindness of things that he's done. Amen. We're thankful that, that, uh, uh, that he remembers what we have done. And, and um, you know, if we would have confidence in that, sometimes we feel like, you know, we're wasting our time or we're not uh, adding any value to people's lives and nobody will know about it. And, of course, we don't do things for accolades and for, for the uh, praises of men. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's easy in our flesh. To, what, what's the point? Well, the point is the Lord remembers. Amen. amen. Uh, even the smallest things that we do, he'll, he'll remember them. Amen. And so let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Matthew, chapter 6. We'll continue there today. We finished up talking about fasting and how that um, uh, Jesus had, had taught the disciples in uh, both Luke, chapter 9, and, and Mark, chapter 9, that sometimes the value of fasting is... Never, it's never to benefit the Lord, it's to benefit you, but one of the great values of fasting is if you need to remove some doubt and unbelief out of your life. You know, there, there are things that, that we, we believe or we uh, think we know that are really just seeds of doubt and unbelief, and they were ingrained to, in our lives from, even from a small child, amen? How many things have you had to unlearn from church that you learned a thousand years ago? You know, that God is out to get you and God, you know, is mad at you. And, you know, sometimes God wants you to be sick. And, well, you've got to unlearn all those things. Amen. Uh, and, but sometimes, you know, sometimes they're easy to unlearn. Sometimes they're, they're just like an old root. You know, you, you, you pull it and it keeps on going and it keeps on going. And where's the end of this root? Uh, and, and sometimes we just give it up and we just cut it off about halfway and it'll come back tomorrow. And, but sometimes, you know, you've got to dig them old roots of unbelief out of your life and get him out and, and um, you know, Brother Hagin would tell the story about uh, he was in prayer one time and the Lord showed him a vision. He's, it was like an old shoe. He's like, what is, why are you showing me an old shoe, Lord? Uh, and he said, that old shoe represents all the thoughts that you had. Well, basically, he said, when you were a Baptist, right? Uh, that uh, God doesn't heal. You know, a lot of things that, uh, you, know, you know, we're not mad at Baptists. You know, they've got a lot of people saved and into the kingdom of heaven, but they'll stand in the pulpit and tell you that God doesn't heal anymore. Well, that's an old shoot, right? Um, we were renovating an old house, you know, it was a 90-year-old house, and we opened up one of the walls, and an old shoe came out. And that's just like an old, you know, some old doctrine that you believe for a thousand years. And it's been in there. You didn't even know it was there. You know, it was in the house. Nobody knew it was in the house. We opened up a wall. There it was. Uh, and there are things in your life that uh, you may not know that, uh, Lord, why do I have a hard time believing that? You know, some people that can believe God for certain things, Easy as anything, you know, believe God for finances or healing or whatever. Uh, but then other things, it's really hard for them to believe God that, that, that he'll heal me or that he'll prosper me or that he'll deliver me. And, and, and if you would spend time in prayer, he'll show you where that old shoe is at. And, and that time in prayer is that fasting time that you, that you set aside to pray to find out the root cause of that unbelief, to get that out of your life. There's so much unbelief in the church that the church is not being diligent enough to get those things out of their life. 
you know, some people can't even believe, well, God could never love somebody like me. You know, they're, and they're adults. They've been adults for decades. And some, some adults have a hard time believing God could love someone like them. Easiest thing in the world for me to believe God loves me. Uh, but, you know, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that in my life that, that, were, that are harder for me uh, to believe. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we have to find our own path in those areas. But Jesus said, you know, this, this kind, this kind of unbelief cometh, uh, cometh out uh, except by prayer and fasting. So there are things in, our, in all of our lives, no doubt, that we need to get out of our life that it's a hindrance to God moving more in your life. You know, the Lord desires us. He, he said that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He said that we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We've been given every spiritual blessing in, heaven, in heavenly places in the Lord. Uh, so we have everything. But why do we live as if we have nothing? Well, it's because that old shoe that's in our heart that, well, God can never prosper me with someone like me. You know, the church will say, well, God, you know, he, will, he wants to bless you, but not really big, just a little. That's an old shoe that's been rotting away in that, that, uh, that, hall, that uh, wall for a thousand years. And, and you've you got to rip that thing out, right? Root and branch, get rid of the whole thing, uh, and then go back to what the Word says. Well, Lord, you said that you give me all things that pertain to life and godliness, so I'm just going to have to believe that that's so. Uh, and some of those things, you, you're going to have to spend time in prayer. Uh, and, you know, there's been the, I'll, talk, I'll talk to the Lord. Lord, why do I have a hard time believing that? And then he'll tell you, well, it's because you're, you know, you're thick-headed or because, you know, this or that. I mean, you know, uh, uh, he, uh, he will tell you, if you ask him, he will tell you the, the root cause of it, you know. And then he'll show you your life. Uh, and, and now he won't show you somebody else's life because he's not a gossip. But he'll show you, your, if you'll ask him, he'll show you your life. Amen. He'll show you, you know, well, Lord, why, why can't I advance in that, that area over there? Uh, and, and it's probably 99 out of 100. It's probably 100 out of 100, but we'll, we'll give you some slack, you know, there, uh, that it's just due to doubt and unbelief. Uh, now, you don't sit there and write down, I don't believe that God does this. Amen. Uh, it's usually the doubt part. It's, you know, I know the word says it, but I just have a hard time believing that he wants me to have. Well, that's doubt. Amen. Uh, and, and some of that will only be removed out of your life, uh, will not ever be removed out of your life until you spend time in fasting and prayer. Uh, and so... Uh, as you train yourself uh, to do these things, you know, that it's not like you have to spend 40 days in fasting, right? Uh, there was only two people who ever spent 40 days in fasting, and that was the Moses and Lord Jesus. And, and a lot of people are doing that today, and I see people do these extended fasts, uh, and, and I don't really know why they do that. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, they'll do like a 30-day fast, and, uh, and, uh, but it's not really a fast, you know, because you, you, you would die after 30 days, right? Uh, if you did a real fast, like Moses did, like Jesus did, uh, they did it by, this, by the direction of the Spirit of God, amen? Uh, but, uh, so I'm not sure why they do that, because there's no, there's no commandment in the Word of God in the New Testament for us to fast. Uh, and so you should fast as, as the Spirit of God directs you to fast, as the Spirit of God shows you, here, here's a big obstacle in your life. You've got to get this out of your life. If you're going to advance uh, in your relationship with me, you've got to get this out of your life. And so you may have to spend time in fasting and prayer. And I've spent seasons and different times about, you know, there'll be things that, that, that I know was in my life and I see it and the Lord has showed it to me. And, uh, and it may be a season. I'll, I'll spend time in prayer about it, talk to the Lord about it, uh, read the scriptures about it. Uh, and sometimes it just takes a while to get that out of your life. Other things easiest thing in the world, right? When I got saved, easiest thing in the world for me to believe was that God was good. Uh, he gave me that revelation. I knew God was good. Easiest thing. Some people have a hard time believing God is good. See, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but there are some people who honestly, oh, you know, he's not really that good. He's the, he's the most amazing uh, person there ever was, right? Of course, I know he's no person, but he's amazing. Uh, and, he, and he only is good. That's easy for me to, to believe, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so Jesus was talking about fasting, and of course, in the context of Matthew chapter 6, he said, if you're fasting, don't act like it's, you're, you're just, you know, oh, I'm fasting, you know, for the Lord, you know. And then, because then you just wasted all that time in fasting, because you, you've taken all that time in fasting in exchange for somebody patting on your back about how spiritual you are. And that's as far as it goes. You won't get any benefit from it other than somebody goes, wow, they're really spiritual. And the Lord's like, can I get a second opinion on that? Can I get a vote on that? Because no, if they're, if they're being seen to fast so that they, other people can think of how spiritual they are, then I, I could care less. 
it's of no value to me. And it's of no value to you either. I mean, what good is, are the accolades of men? Some people, it's really important for them how, what people think of them. Amen. It's really important for, for people to think that they're spiritual or, you know, that they're this or that. I mean, it's just that that currency has no value in heaven. You can't spend the, the accolades of men in heaven. The Lord's like, I'm not impressed. Uh, and yet sometimes we as human beings are impressed what other people think about us. Uh, and I don't know. It's just uh, and, and uh, maybe I was just you know, sometimes we're just turned that way. It just I. Now, you know, I, I really don't care what people think about me. You know, people, oh, you know, they, you know, they think of that about you. I don't care. You know, someone, I was at lunch with a friend of mine one time, and he was, he was talking about somebody that we knew, uh, you know, mutual acquaintance. They, and they said, well, did you do so-and-so? Well, no. Um, and and, and, and uh, first of all, you know, I, I can't believe that he even asked me if I did that because it was some, it was some terrible thing at church that I'd done, like, and I don't even remember what it was. Uh, what the context of that was, uh, but it was like talking about somebody. I think he asked if I was gossiping about somebody or if I'd done something at church. And, and he asked me if I did that, which I guess it's fair, you know, the, the, but he should have known me better than that. And I said, well, no, I didn't do that. He said, well, so-and-so thinks you did that. And, and, he said, and, he said, and then he said, you need to call them and tell them that you didn't do that. And I said, there's no way. I'm going to call anybody to tell them what they should think about me. Uh, because if they have the Holy Ghost, if they're born again, don't they have the Holy Ghost? Don't you think the Holy Ghost would tell them if I did that or not? Uh, and for them to gossip about me to other people that I did this thing without even checking with me that I actually did that thing is just gossip. Uh, and, and, and it's not my job to run around and get people to think wonderful thoughts about me. Amen? Because I'm already a wonderful person. So, you know, if you want to think wonderful thoughts about me, then we're in agreement. Amen? But if you don't want to think wonderful thoughts of me, that's just on your, that's on you, not on me. Now, and, and so, now I don't go, I don't go about with the desire for people to intentionally think ill about me, because some people are that way, right? They're going to go and, and spit on you and, and, you know, go kick your dog or, you know, I don't care, you know, it doesn't matter, you know. Well, I'm not intentionally trying to do that. People that do that are just full of the devil and just, you know, they're just, you know, some people say, well, they have a devil. Some people are just mean, right? They're just, they're just mean people, just, just uh, unkind people. Uh, and so, uh, but there, there are hindrances to all of our lives, no doubt. If you're breathing air, there are things that you've done well with the Lord, things that you've struggled with the Lord. Uh, if there are areas that you recognize that you're struggling with your thoughts in relationship to the Lord, spend some time in prayer and fasting in that. Amen. Skip a meal. Maybe you just skip a Twinkie or something, you know, just skip something, right? You fast, fast something uh, and, and spend that time. It's not, about, it's not about the removal of that thing out of your life. It's about exchanging the, the, the doing that thing for time of prayer. So the fasting is not just the removal of the thing. It's exchanging the, the time that you spend doing that thing and to spend it in prayer. Amen? So it's not the natural event of, of I didn't eat a meal. Well, what'd you do instead? Well, I, I cleaned out my flower garden. Well, okay, that didn't get you anywhere, right? That didn't help you. Uh, if, if you skipped a meal and you spent time in your prayer closet, well, then that's valuable. Amen? So it, it's, not the, it's not the act of fasting that's of any value. It's the act of fasting and, and exchanging that time of doing whatever you were going to do to spend time in the presence of the Lord in prayer. Amen? And Jesus said, do that if you've got, if you've got difficulties in areas of doubt and unbelief in your life. Uh, and he said, it'll, he said it'll, it'll come out. Right, that down, he said, this kind cometh out except by prayer and fasting. Uh, uh, cometh not out except by prayer and fasting. Uh, and so you've got, to, you've got to do that. And it's valuable, amen? I've done that in different seasons of my life, areas that I see just really struggle with. Uh, and a lot of times it's just, it's just uh, attitudes or thoughts that you have with the Lord. That he could, how could he love somebody like you? How could he use somebody like you? How, you know, why would he do that for you? And, of course, if we know him well enough, those are easy questions to answer. But sometimes getting your mind renewed. And at the end of your fasting, what will happen is your thought life will change. You will think the thoughts of the Word of God, which is what we need to do. Amen. Oftentimes our thoughts are not even close to what the Word of God is. And many times we will never take what we think and submit that to the Lord. Lord, is it okay that I think this way? Is it okay if I think that, you, that you're putting sickness and disease on me? Is it okay that I think that you don't deliver me, that you won't prosper me, that you won't take care of me? 
and, and we won't take and submit those thoughts to the Lord. You should, amen. You should be willing to take everything that you think because you reckon he knows what you're thinking anyway. It's not like he doesn't know. You know, you're not going to go to the Lord and say, well, Lord, I was thinking about this about you. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, he's never going to say that, amen. Uh, and so a lot of those thoughts are just thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Uh, and, uh, and maybe you, you were raised that way. And, uh, and I know especially folks that were in, in really, really uh, legalistic church uh, raising have a hard time seeing how good God is, uh, just the goodness of God, uh, because it was all about God's going to get you and he's going to sneak up and, and whop you upside the head with a two by four if you don't straighten up, you know, if your skirt's too, too short or your hair's too long or whatever, he's going to get you. And, uh, and, and a lot of times you never dealt with those things. You, you just kind of uh, carried them on in. And, and, you know, of course, we don't, we don't uh, threaten people around here with the, word, with the word of God or the spirit of God. Uh, but you may have never dealt with those things. Uh, and, and if you've never dealt with those things, you need to do that because they are a hindrance to your spiritual walk with the Lord. Because the Lord wants you to have everything. Amen. Didn't he say he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness? Yeah. He wants you to have everything in this life. But sometimes we can't receive that because we, we, we are so uh, uh, hindered in our lives in thinking that God would want to do that for us. But he does. He wants to give you everything. Amen. Yeah. I mean, he sent his own son. Uh, you know, he sent it. He, uh, I, I don't know why people have a hard time because he, he sent the Lord Jesus, his very own son, which is, how valuable is that? Anything more valuable than that? So why would he care to give you a trinket? Why would he care to, you know, well, he's not going to give you a house. He gave me Jesus, but he won't give me a house? I mean, if he gave me Jesus, nothing else even compares. But yet people, oh, he wouldn't do that. But he did this, right? Why would he do that and, and not do this over here? I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but, you know, there's a lot of weird doctrine in the church, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, so that was uh, verses 16, 17, 18. Uh, we get to verse 19 here in Matthew chapter 6, uh, and we'll just read a few verses here. He says in verse 19, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And where the, and for where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. Uh, and then he goes on and talks about, the, he said, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thine whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and serve the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, and so Jesus here, and then from that point on to the rest of the chapter there, he starts talking about worry. But in these verses, he's really talking about uh, your, the wealth that you have, the finances you have. But it's not so much about sowing and reaping and how to become a prosperous Christian. Uh, he talks about that in other areas of the Word of God. In this one, it's more about what, what is your focus in your life? What are the things that you have focused on in your life? Because he starts out back in verse 19, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt. Uh, and, of course, you know, we're reading the King James Version. Uh, what he's talking about there is corrupting is, is rusting or deteriorating or, 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 or wasting away. Uh, and, uh, and, the re and he says that where thieves break through and steal. Uh, and the, the context of that is from the mindset of the people that he's talking to at this time, things that were of great value were things uh, like weapons or you know, metal objects or fine clothing. Uh, and those things, you know, uh, anybody, anybody got grandparents? You know, uh, grandparents by law have to have mothballs, right? Uh, and and um, every trunk of clothes have to smell like mothballs, right? Uh, uh, and because uh, moths really will go in there and eat like, uh, because back then, most of your clothes were made out of natural materials, right? Cotton and a lot of wool and moths love to eat that stuff. And so they would have mothballs. And so, Everybody had really nice-looking clothes that smelled like mothballs. Uh, and, uh, and so those they would corrupt that, right? They would, they would deteriorate that. And so that's what he's talking about here, that, you know, these natural things, they're just all going to burn up, right? Uh, at the funeral home, when they go there, and, and, and uh, if it's a rich fellow, they say, you know, what do you reckon he left? Well, what's the answer to that question? Everything, right? I mean, he, did he take any of it with him? 
He didn't take any of it with him, right? So he left everything. And so, um, so, but, you know, is the Lord against having things on this earth? Well, no. I mean, we're going to look at a couple of verses that, that just uh, lets us know that that's not the case there. He doesn't care that you have things on the earth, but, but what's your focus with the things you have on this earth? See, uh, it's all about what's your intent. It's not about the things because you can't look at any natural thing and discern spiritual information from that because two people can have a nice car and one person could have a nice car because they like to have a nice car. One person have a nice car because they want everybody to see that they have a nice car. Didn't Jesus talk about that at least three different times in uh, chapter six about quit doing things to be seen of men? So uh, is it the car? Is it, uh, well, you know, if it's, a, if it's a Mercedes, you know, I don't know if anyone's driving a Mercedes, but you know, if it's a Mercedes, you can't have that. Well, but you can have, you know, you know, Lexus is okay, right? I mean, this is dumb. It's such a, such a waste of, of good conversation, amen? It, it's, not about, it's not about the name brand or anything, right? Unless, of course, you drive a Chevy, right? Some people are like, it's, just, it's over if you drive a Chevy, but, you know. Uh, but um, it, it's not about the natural thing at all. What's your intent? Uh, Lord, I need a, I need a car that uh, I, I need a, a car that will get me from here to there. Now, some people think, well, you only need to have a car that's good enough to get you there. Such a, just such a poverty mentality. You know, the, the level of poverty mentality people have. My God walks on streets of gold. Amen. You can have whatever you want. If you want a car that only gets you from here to there, it's fine, right? If you have to get out there and wind it up, you know, the big winding thing, it's fine. If that's what you want, it's, it's no problem. Uh, and Lord said, well, you know, you can have a nice one if you want to. Now, you know, I was with somebody one time. They were driving. It was a BMW 7 Series, which is, you know, a pretty expensive vehicle. And I'm in the back seat, you know, and, uh, and there are two ministers in the front seat. And one minister says, the other minister uh, said, you deserve this car. And I started looking for those little throw-up bags there because, you know, I'm like, I'm about, I'm about to lose it. Right? It's like, you, you don't deserve this car. Nobody deserves, deserves the blessings of the Lord. Did you, deserve, did you earn that? Did you do something to earn that? Did you go and, 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 and shed blood for these things? No, the Lord Jesus shed blood for you. So you don't deserve it, but it is a gift of grace. We're thankful, we're thankful for it, amen? So we have to keep our, our attitudes right about these things. Well, I deserve this car. I mean, it's just those words, right? And uh, the Lord started showing me this years ago about getting that mentality out of my life. And then I started noticing, like, every commercial is about, you deserve this, right? Uh, you, uh, you des- uh, it's like uh, 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 all those, and they're scam artists kind of things, right? But if you've got some kind of annuity or like a lottery or something, they say, it's your money, you deserve it, you know? And it was all about getting that money out of your pocket into their pocket, right? But see, the whole thing was about, you deserve it, amen? So the, the mentality has to be, we got to, all these things are, will corrupt. Everything that you have will corrupt. Everything, everything that's on the earth will go back to the earth, amen? Eventually, if you, if you wait long enough, it will go back to dirt. Everything that we have, every chair we have, every carpet, you know, every light bulb we have, it'll go back to, the, to dirt someday. Uh, and if it doesn't go back soon enough, the Lord will wipe off this earth. He's going to get a new one anyway. Uh, and so what, what is, what's your thoughts and mentality? What is your focus on this earth? Uh, and so if you're focused on the earth, there's Lord, whatever I have, I want to give to you. Whatever I have is available for your benefit. Whatever I have is available for you to use uh, in whatever capacity you would like. Then there's, nothing, there's no limit to what he'll bring into your life. Amen? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but, but if you're, he said, if you're only laying up for yourself treasures on the earth, then, then you're very short-sighted. Uh, and a lot of the church is very short-sighted about what can I get. Uh, and in our society, we're, we're trying to remove the, the long-term vision of people. We want people to focus on right now, what you need right now. Uh, and because they think that uh, if they can get them focused on the, the here and the now, they'll forget the future, the eternity. But if, if you will be willing to have an eternal view, a long view then, then there's nothing, because you go to other, all other kinds of other scriptures about, uh, look at the ant, right? The ant goes out and does things, prepares for the winter, uh, amen. You know, go back to Proverbs and read about those stories. So the Lord's not against you preparing for the future. It, you know, you, know you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have a retirement program. What's that to you? It's an, you, know, you shouldn't have investments. What, I mean, it, there's nothing in the word of God that says you shouldn't have those things. But if, if your focus is only on the here and now, I'm going to have uh, investments so I can have this and have that. 
and your thoughts are never toward the Lord, then your thoughts are not towards eternity. But if your thoughts are towards eternity, then you will do things uh, for your investments, if your long-term benefit, because the, uh, the world is always trying to get the, the, uh, the church even to think of only here and the now. And so uh, if you're only focused on that, then you're not going to be focused on the kingdom, his kingdom. You're going to be thinking about advancing what he wants done on the earth. Uh, you're only thinking about how do you amass the most wealth. And so, so uh, and that's where he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is your heart, right? Uh, what, what, what is your focus in this life? Uh, and, and so, again, uh, don't fall for the lies about, well, you shouldn't have anything in this life. Uh, th that's just demonstrably untrue because every person who followed the Lord of the stories of the Old Covenant, every person who followed the Lord diligently, what was their natural uh, status? They were all wealthy, and really what we would say today, they were obscenely wealthy, right? I mean, you just, you know, uh, everything was made out of gold. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, even, even our friend President Trump, he only likes everything made out of brass, right? Because gold's expensive, and so, you know, we'll just make it look like gold. Uh, you see all of his, like, you know, all of his towers, you know, all the, they look like gold, but it's all brass, right? It's not gold, it's not gold-plated stuff. Now, he probably has some gold-plated stuff, no doubt. You know, he's a billionaire, but... Uh, but, the, you know, the people back in the, in the Old Covenant were really wealthy, amen? Uh, and, and again, it's not about the amassing of the wealth. It's, it's where is your heart, right? What is your heart? And if you remember, Solomon was the richest man of his time. You remember his prayer to the Lord. The Lord came to him right after David died and as he was entering into being a king. The Lord said, what, what do you want? What do you want from me? And, and he, said, he said, Lord, he said, I'm young. He said, I don't know anything. I, you, these people, your people, they're great. He said, give me the wisdom to, to lead them. And that's what he asked for. And so the Lord, said, the Lord said, well, yeah, no problem. He said, I'll, I'll give you wisdom. In fact, uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll make you the most wise person there ever been. Of course, you know, the Lord Jesus was more wise than that. But, but up to that point in time, uh, there was nobody more wise than, than Solomon. He said, I'm, uh, uh, I'll make you the wisest person I've ever been. And he said, and, and besides that, because you didn't ask me for the, the lives of your enemy or for wealth, he said, I'll give you both of those. Uh, why? Because Solomon was, was looking to the king, kingdom, the long term, and the Lord said, well, I'll still take care of the short term for you as well. And of course, you know, uh, unfortunately for Solomon, his wealth didn't cause him a problem. His wisdom didn't cause him a problem. But he did get to think where, you know, well, then I can just do whatever I want to, and, and you know, I must be okay because I have all these things, amen? And, and so that, that, is a, that is an issue, right? Uh, in fact, let's turn over to, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, so for, for, you know, for Solomon, you think, about, you, know, you think about Solomon. He was the wisest person who ever was and the dumbest person who ever was, right? Because by the end of his life, he'd left the Lord. He walked away from the Lord. Uh, and the Lord said, I'm going to take away the kingdom. He said, but I'm not going to do it in your lifetime for, for your father's sake, for David's sake. He said, but, but the kingdom will be rendered from your, from your family line. And it was, right? He, he uh, suffered loss. His family suffered loss because of his actions. He got, one of the great things the Lord told Solomon and the whole nation of Israel to do is don't go marrying people, uh, women from, from other religions because they'll corrupt you. And, and Solomon thought, well, because I'm wise, that won't happen. Anytime that you think you're smarter than the Word of God, well, I, I would never do that. Uh, well, it says you would. You know, don't, don't ever think of yourself wiser than the Word of God. Amen? You know, the Word of God says uh, in certain situations, especially men dealing with women, you should run. Well, I can handle it. No, you can't handle it. You, uh, you should run. Amen? Uh, and so... Here in uh, in First Timothy chapter six, of course, uh, we know uh, we know a lot of these a lot of these verses here. But just in, in verse five, uh, it says, uh, uh, <clears throat> "Well, let's see. Let's start in verse three. This is if any man teach otherwise, he consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, into the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud." Well, that's you could just meddle on that right there for a long time, right? If, uh, and so. You know, the Word of God teaches us a lot of things, but if any man teach otherwise and, and consent not to wholesome words, well, you, you ought not talk like that. 
Well, you know, you ought not do those things. Uh, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Well, that's not very godly. There's nothing wrong with that. He is proud and knows what? Nothing, nothing right? No, I didn't say it right. Nothing. But doting about questions and strifes of words, uh, whereof cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. You know, uh, that phrase right there, destitute of the truth, is when I look at our current society, that's what I see. Destitute of the truth, right? The transing children, all these crazy thoughts about, I mean, just insanity, destitute of the truth. But then right in the middle of it, he says, supposing that gain is godliness. Supposing that if you have things, if you have a massive wealth, that you must be a godly person. And how long has the church fallen for that particular lie? You know, this has been going on forever, right? Uh, even back in, in Mark chapter 10, you remember the, rich, the story of the rich young ruler. In fact, uh, we'll just turn, we we'll may come back here to First uh, Timothy chapter 6, but uh, just in, um, uh, in Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler, you know, the Lord put this story in here for our benefit because nothing's really changed in the church. We're still falling for this particular uh, issue here. So in the, in, the, in the story of the rich young ruler, of course, you know, he, the, the Lord said, do these things, you know, sell what you have, give to the poor. And it says in verse 22, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Well, why is that? Why is it hard for people to have uh, riches enter into the kingdom of God? Because they think that they, because they have things, they're godly. That, they're, that, they're, that their great wealth and, and their great value in the things they've done in it will, will grant them a free ride into heaven. Nothing's changed, right? And so Jesus is saying, that, and this, that's why. The reason why verse 23 is there, Paul gives us the insight, is because people think when you get things, sometimes when you, when you get things yourself, that somehow that makes you uh, more go godly. And I have seen, you know, I've seen great uh, people that are, are wealthy, be great, humble servants of the Lord. But I've seen some people that because they're wealthy, they think they should run the church. Uh, and, I, you know, when I was with my pastor, there were some folks there that were, that were exceptionally wealthy. And they thought they should have a say in how the church would run. It's like, but you're carnal as a day is long. You have no spiritual insight, no spiritual wisdom. Yeah, you've got a big bank account, but that is all you have going for you. But they thought because they, were, they had a lot of wealth that they were godly. Now, it's not mutually exclusive, right? It's not that because you have wealth, you cannot be godly. That's not true at all, amen? There are plenty of, Abraham was, was a great man of wealth. Job was a great man of wealth. Solomon was a great man of wealth. And, and, and David was also a great man of wealth. David gave billions of dollars for the, for the construction of the temple. But he was never known for his wealth, but he was a very wealthy person, amen? Why was he never known for his wealth? Because he was known for his heart of, towards God. And yet he, uh, when was the last time you wrote a check for $7 billion? You know, I, I mean... I did write a check one time. Well, actually, I didn't write a check one time, but you know, I could write a check for $7 billion, but uh, I would encourage you, don't cash it, right? Don't take it down there, you know. Can I cash this, you know? Uh, and so David was never really known for that, yet he was an exceptionally wealthy person. Uh, and so, uh, but he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of heaven? And, and, and here's what's amazing is verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So he just repeated that in, in essence, right? Uh, it is, he said, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And there's some insight about that that's helpful that he wasn't talking about through the, through the little eye of a needle. The eye of, uh, eye of the needle was called the small uh, entranceway into a walled city that you could get a camel through there, but you couldn't get a camel through there with all the stuff that was loaded on the camel. So they called that the eye of a needle. And so they had to unload the camel to let the camel in. That, they, that way they could control how, how people came into the secure city. Uh, and so it was difficult for them to get in through the eye of a needle. Not impossible, but it was difficult. Uh, and so he, he's just saying that it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of God because Paul gives us the inside of why that they think that gain obtaining things makes them godly. Mm -hmm. And see, and so, and so that's why Jesus was saying is 
don't, don't put your thoughts on the natural world. Your, your thoughts have to be, your heart has to be on heaven. Uh, and, he, and so and he said, he didn't say it was impossible. He said, it, it's, it's, it's difficult, but not impossible. Now, their response in verse 26, and they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? That's an interesting response. Why, why, why were they so astonished out of measure? Because they were also of the opinion that gain is godliness. They were all of the opinion that wealthy people must be godly people. And if they can't make it, then we can't make it. Because the only way you can be godly is if you have things in their mind. Uh, you know, of course, it's not true, but in their mind it was. <clears throat> and so, so that's why Timothy tells us that there are those who think that amassing wealth gives them a free ride into heaven. And, you know, as, as a pastor, I, I'm unmoved by wealth. I'm unmoved by people who have wealth. I'm, you know, I'm not moved by your wealth. If you have stuff, man, that's great. If you have nothing, that's still great. You know, none of my business either way. Uh, but, uh, and we've never really had that here. Uh, anybody who had uh, wealth, you know, we've had wealthy people uh, be part of this church over the years, and that's great. And, we, and we've never had to deal with them saying, well, because I'm wealthy and because I give so much money, you've got to do something because that's not going to fly anyway. It's like, you know, well, your money doesn't buy you access to anything. Amen. Doesn't sure that it's going to get you to heaven. And we've never had to deal with it, but I did see that when I was with my pastor, that there was a fellow there in particular there that he thought he had a right to, to his opinion to be heard just because he was wealthy. Uh, and, 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 you know, and so that's none of my business as far as how, what he thinks, but I, I was always disappointed to see how many in the church would fawn over him. Oh, here, let me fluff up your pillow. You know, here, let me, is your chair straight, you know? Are you, are you comfortable, you know? Here, sit over here, you've got better vent over here. And, and, I mean, James tells us don't do that, right? James tells us that, that you're a respecter of persons when you do that, amen? Nothing wrong with respecting them, you know, but I respect people of, of no means just as well as I respect people of means. Because we're, if we're in the body of Christ, we are children of the Most High God, amen? And for me to, to act like you're more special because you've got a big bank account is, this, is so uh, disingenuine from what the Word of God says. Because if you have that attitude, you are still the same, the same attitude that, that the Lord Jesus says about that's where my heart is. See, if I, think that you're, if I think you're godly because you've got great wealth, then my heart is towards treasures on the earth and not towards treasures in heaven. I know a lot of people who don't have a lot of great wealth that, that uh, are some of those godly people that I know. Uh, and I do know some people that are wealthy that are godly as well. So it's not, it's not but, it, but it can be, it doesn't have to be, but it can be a hindrance to your spiritual walk with the Lord if you amass a great wealth on the earth. Now, but if you keep your heart towards heaven, and, and that's what Jesus then said back to Matthew chapter 6 there, verse 22, he said, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Well, uh, and then he, he says, uh, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that, dark, is that darkness? So that, that's a, an analogy that he's using uh, when he says, if thine eye be single, what he means by that, if single uh, uh, in purpose, single-hearted, right? Your eye, your, what are you focused on, right? That's why we talk about, the, the, it's not about giving and receiving, it's about what you're focused on. What are you looking at? Uh, are you single-hearted in what you're doing and looking towards heaven and all that you do? So if you're looking to heaven, they say, well, Lord, you know, if we can get this much wealth and we can help this many people or, or we can have these things, we can uh, make these things available to other people, you know, whatever it is, amen, we can give to the, to the work of the Lord. Uh, so our eye has to be single in purpose, single-minded, amen. Uh, regardless of what you do, you've got to always keep your eye towards heaven. Uh, and he said, if you do, then, then, then you're fine, Amen. He said, but if you don't, if your, eye, if your eye be evil, in other words, if your eye is not looking at uh, the right thing, he said, then the whole body is full of darkness. Then, then the, your whole purpose of life is, is messed up. Then the value of what you're adding to the Lord is, is essentially zero. He said, your whole body is darkness. Everything that you're doing is for the wrong motivation. If you're not looking towards heaven, and so whatever you do, what, whatever your job is, whatever your career is, whatever your focus is on this earth, your eye has to be towards heaven. If your eye is towards heaven, then you're good. But if your eye is not towards heaven, if your focus is not on heaven, then he said, nothing else matters. And that's what he said. He said, your whole body is full of darkness. Uh, and so, and he said, therefore, he said, uh, how great is that darkness? 
You know, one of the saddest things is for people, to, you see people who, who are of the opinion that they're so spiritual and, and they're so far from, from, it's like, could you get a second opinion on that? They're so far from not being spiritual. It's just sad that they think that they are super spiritual and just like, well, you know, you're not even, you're not even close to being spiritual. You, uh, you know, when I get around people that, that are that way, that are, that are very wealthy and think that because they have a gain that they're godly, they, got, they have nothing that, that I want to add to my life from them. And that's why, you know, just like with that one fella, you know, uh, I, I got to know him over the years, uh, you know, and, and he, was, he was an okay fella, you know, he's kind of, you know, uh, sometimes when you get that way, you think because you're wealthy, you can just be rude to people. Uh, well, you got you know, you got to let me be rude to you because I have a lot of money. And it's like, I'm not impressed. If you're rude to people, then, then you got nothing for me to, to add to my life. I'm not going to look at you, your bank account, and say, well, well you, because you've got a big bank account, you're, you can be rude to people, unkind to people, uh, because of your great wealth. How is that, that, does that, that doesn't impress me. Does that impress anybody? It doesn't impress a lot of people, but it doesn't impress me. Uh, and, and um, you know, he told me, he said, he said, I have so many regrets, he said, because I was so ambitious in my life to obtain this wealth. He had a construction business of some kind. And he said, I'd just be gone from my family for weeks and months at a time on these big projects that I would do uh, for, for different jobs. And, uh, and I didn't even know my kids. You know, somebody else raised them. My, my wife raised my kids. And so now my kids don't want to have anything to do with me. And I'm thinking, well, was that worth it? You exchange your bank account for the, for the love of your children? Is that, a value? Is that a valuable exchange? Would you do that? Now, he didn't give up his wealth. He kept his wealth. Uh, but, you know, he had lost his kids. Is that, is that a valuable exchange? I mean, why would you do that? And yet, people do that all the time. Amen. Exchange their short-sighted view and look only to the, to the natural bank account as, as being the most important thing. And it's just not. And he said, how great is that darkness? See, that fella, you know, uh, he didn't realize how much darkness he lived in. Uh, and, and so, uh, and then Jesus, you know, he kind of sums it up right there. He says, no man can serve two masters. You know, if you're serving the, the finances and money, you, you can't do that. It's not going to work. Well, it'll be okay. You know, it'll be fine. It's not going to be okay. It's not going to be fine. Amen. Uh, and there's so much ambition in the world right now. Uh, and of course, now they want to get wealth and, and finances with no work at all. That's a pretty sweet deal, right? Just give me a big check. You need to give me a bigger check. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm not going to do anything to earn it, you know. Uh, I just want you to give me a bigger check. Uh, he said, no man can serve two masters. So uh, either he will hate the one and love the other, in verse 24, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon there just means money. You cannot serve God and money. These two things are incompatible, amen? And so you, you can't do it. So, so you have to find that balance in your life, right? What is that balance in your life? Well, what is your eye focused on? That's the balance. And what are you, what are you looking at? And that will tell you everything that you need to know, amen? Uh, and so... Um, we got a couple other things that we could say about that, but I, I think it'd be good just to close up there. And um, uh, why, don't we, why don't we pray? So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the blessings. And, Father, we thank you that we can focus our eyes upon you. We can see you, Father. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for them, Father. Chris, if you, if you receive the offering, I just need to pray here for just a minute. You go ahead and do that. Jared and receive the offering. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
while Chip's praying, let's just let's just help him and let's also pray ourselves, Lord. We just we just take the things that we that we heard today and we consecrate we consecrate and dedicate, Father. We make sure we commit that we've got our focus on you. You and you alone. There is nothing greater, there is nothing bigger, there's nothing more important than you. We commit our lives. We dedicate to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will guide us, teach us, and show us the things that we need to make adjustments to in our lives, ways that we've gone off the path, Lord. You'll show us those things, those corrections, and then you'll help us. You'll help us to make those changes that we need to make. You won't leave us alone, but you'll help us change. You'll show us mercy. You'll show us grace. We thank you, Father, for your loving kindness. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you that you forgive us, that you love us, that you have mercy on us, Lord. Father, we thank you that when we keep our focus on you, Lord, you, you, then and you can bless us and you can help us even more. And so we commit to focus on you, to set our hearts, to set our affections, to set our mind, to commit our time and our efforts for you, God. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have healing school today at 3, and you all are dismissed.